Psalms 55, verse 22. I better stick to preaching is what I better do. I'm, we, just, we just lost some members. Uh, Psalms 55, 22. Uh, it says this. It says this. Cast, cast your cares on the Lord and, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Amen. Let me read that again. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Not my strength. Not my power, not my might. He will sustain you. And he shall never let the righteous be shaken. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you're in this place. God, I thank you that you're a way maker. I thank you that you're moving. And Lord, I just pray that tonight that our hearts be open, our minds be open to whatever you want to say. We just say speak to us. Come on, can you just do that right now? Can you just say speak to me, Lord? Speak to me, Lord. We showed up tonight to hear from you. Not me. They didn't show up to hear from me. They heard. They showed up to hear from you. So God, tonight, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear you speak. So do that tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on. If you'll believe and receive that, say amen. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. How many of you love family game night? Anybody love family game night? Does any, I mean, are we the only one that just, we, I love breaking out a good board game. Uh, we played Monopoly a few weeks ago, and I got to be honest, I ended up with all the cash, okay? I owned all of the property. I had all of the money. I just, I'm, listen, I, I just believe that if you're going to play board games that you can't let your kids win, Okay. Um, and you may think I'm a horrible dad for this. You know, you can judge me. That's okay. You just, I, I, I'm not going to let I go hard. Yesterday, uh, me and Brooklyn, we went to Tropical Smoothie, and we had a little date day, and we took Mancala. Y'all know what that is, where you move the little rocks around the board. And she beat me three times back to back. And I was, I was a little upset at the end because I was like, you know, the first time I was like, okay, that was luck. Let me, you know, let me put in a better strategy. She beat me two times. And then when she beat me the third time, I was just, honestly, I was like, this is, this is not right. I quit. Let's, let's go do something else. And, uh, and so we moved on, but you know, family game night is fun. And maybe you have, uh, maybe you've played Jenga at family game night. How many of you are familiar with Jenga? You know, this game, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple game, right? You, you just take a block and then you put it on top. And then the other player, they take a block and they put it on top like this. And you just keep going back and forth, right? Um, there you go. If you didn't struggle with anxiety before you came in, you might now be struggling. You're like, oh, gosh, don't let it fall. Um, let's see. That one's pretty. So you kind of get the idea of the game, right? So it, it keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And let me get one in the, there we go. Let me make you really, I just want to make you really nervous. And maybe we can get this one right. There we go, yeah. Anybody nervous yet? Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's take that one and can we? There we go. All right, I'm pretty good at this game. Look at this. So the game of Jenga, you got the idea. This is, this is the game of Jenga. And so believe it or not, uh, we were playing Jenga one night and I heard the Lord speak to me. You're like, you heard the Lord speak to you playing Jenga. I'm like, this is my message. I'll preach it the way I want to preach it, all right? Uh, I heard the Lord speak to me uh, one night in, while we were playing Jenga. And, you know, I think we approach life a lot of the way that we approach Jenga, the game of Jenga. So, you know, you can kind of see that life happens, right? 
stuff happens in our life. You know, we, we come up against hurts. We come up against problems. And so, you know, we end up with holes. We end up with wounds in our life. How many of you know that life just happens? I mean, there's, there's really nothing that you can do to avoid, uh, to avoid pain, to avoid heartache, to avoid trouble in life. Life is going to happen, and we're going to end up with some holes. We're going to end up with some hurts. We're going to end up with some wounds. But what the Bible tells us is the Bible tells us this, that we have to do what with our cares? cast. We have to cast our cares. So the Bible says that we are to cast our cares, but I think what we do a lot of times is rather than casting our cares, you know, because it's kind of the American way that we can just handle things. We can just do it on our own. We can take the weight. I can shoulder it. I can do this. And so what we do is rather than casting our cares to God, what will we do is we'll take our hurts. We'll take our pains. We'll take all of the stuff that we've been through. And I don't want to take that one. And rather than giving it over to God, what do we do? We take it and we just pile it up. And it just kind of, at first, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, when you're first playing the game, you take the block, you put it on top, not that big of a deal, right? I mean, you're in no jeopardy of this thing tipping over at all. But what happens is that block by block, this thing begins to lose its stability. And what I have seen is that in life, people that... uh, what I've seen is, is through counseling and working and talking with people is that it wasn't one necessarily one single thing that led them to end up in depression or dealing with anxiety. But what it was is it was multiple situations over a period of time that rather than taking these things and casting them to God and going, God, I'm going to do what your word says and I'm going to give this to you. What we've done is we've added it to the pile. We kept putting it on top thinking I can bear this. I can deal this. I I can handle this. But what eventually happens is that pile tumbles over under the pressure of all that's on top of it. And I think a lot of people in this day and age find themselves in this position that you're under so much pressure. You're carrying so much weight. But there's a simple solution that Psalms 55:22 says that you cast your cares on the Lord. And, and I love what it says in that second part. It says, because the righteous will not be shaken. And some of you are like, well, I've been shaken. <laughs> I've gone through some stuff. Look, there is a shaking that happens, but the original translation of this word shaken means, and it was so cool when I found this, because when I went to the scripture and I found this, it actually means to totter or to waver. And it literally said the word totter. And I was like, come on, God, you're too good. Because what will happen is that we'll take all of this on and we'll totter. But if we'll cast our cares on the Lord, guess what? We're not going to waver. We're not going to be shaken when the hard times come, when the battles come, when, when one thing after another may hit us. And look, you may have been through some tough stuff in your life, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying that at all because we all go through hard times. We go through difficult situations, but the solution is not dealing with it on our own or going, God, I got this. God, I can handle this. God, I can do this. But what we have to do is we have to say, God, I want to take my problem, and I want to take it out of my hand, and I want to give it to you. So, Dan, I don't know if you're a wide receiver or not, but I'm going to see if you can catch, all right? His wife slid out of the way. I'm taking that. That's not a vote of confidence. All right. This is what casting your cares on the Lord looks like. Right now, would everybody agree that the cares are in my possession? I have the care. 
Right now, it is my concern. I am dealing with it. I am worried about it. But what happens is I take this and I go right here. Look, he is a wide receiver. I told you. Do I have the care anymore? Whose worry is it now? Dan, congratulations. You have all my cares. You have all my worries now. They're they're yours. I, I I don't have them anymore. So am I worried about it anymore? No, out of sight, out of mind. But throw it back to me. Let's see. Let's see. Heisman, maybe? No? Okay. Uh, But now I have my care, and what we do is we take these cares, and we just continue to pile them on top of each other. We just continue to put them on top of each other until it reaches its tipping point. So my question for you tonight is, what are you carrying that you should be casting? What are you carrying that you should be casting? What do you currently have in your possession that God said, look, I can handle that, I can take that problem. I can carry that burden. I've got the solution. I've got the answer. And all we have to do is go, God, I'm going to cast my cares on you. I'm going to bring them to you because I know, number one, that you care for me, that you'll sustain me. And then if I give this over to you, I don't have to worry about tottering, about teetering. I don't have to worry about wavering because, God, the weight of the world is not on my shoulders. It's on you, God every problem, every situation. And that's why we come to God in prayer. That's why we come to God at church and we go, God, all my problems, all my burdens are yours. And I think there's three reasons as to why we take this on rather than bring it to God. And I I believe it's this. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes tonight. We all have problems to neglect. Problems to neglect. In other words, we're refusing to, to deal with the pain of maybe a divorce from childhood or a divorce that you went through years ago. You've got a, a, maybe the pain of losing a loved one and you just really don't want to deal with it. Maybe it's the pain of childhood abuse. Maybe there's things in your past that, that you go back and you're just like, man, I've got these problems and I, I just, if I'm being honest, I just really don't want to deal with it. So what will we do? We just kind of almost act like it doesn't exist. We don't bring them to God. But we just kind of we just kind of go. I don't want it. And and so here's here's honest confession about myself is that I'm I'm a bottler. Anybody know what a bottler is? I'll just take everything and I'll just bottle it up, right? I'm just like, I, man, I I don't want to feel that. I don't want to deal with that. Just bottle it up, you know? I man, I, that upset me. That made me mad. That made me. Oh, I forget that. I'll just bottle it up. And at first it seems okay, right? Until it becomes like a carbonated drink that you shake up, you know? And then just at the at the slightest little thing, you open it and it spews everywhere. That's kind of what I do, and I'm having to learn to, to deal with those things better to where I don't just compress things. Uh, if any Enneagram fans in here, I'm an Enneagram 7, and so uh, I'm the enthusiast, so I'm just happy. And it says that the enthusiast, they don't want to feel the negative pains or the negative feelings and the negative emotions, so we'll just push it off and we'll go, hey, look, I know there's problems, but I, I want to neglect it. In fact, here's what they say about sevens. When sevens have like a bad day at work or a bad day, it says that you can find them at home on their computer planning their next vacation. They're like, okay, how do I just, how do I escape this? How do I go to the next thing? And what we can do is we just act like, hey, you know what, I, there's problems and, and I, don't really, I don't really want to deal with them. You know, I think it's the same scenario with this Jenga illustration is that we just keep piling it on top. I don't want to deal with it. So instead of dealing with it, I know I've got these holes. I know I've got these issues that I need to deal with. I know I've got things going on, but you know what? Ah, forget about it. I'll just pile it on top. I'll just soldier on. 
So we all have, number one, we've got the problems to neglect. Number two, write this down, we've got pain. We've got pain to reject. Because dealing with our past problems, I I think about it like this. Dealing with our past problems is like having open heart surgery with no anesthesia. It hurts. I don't know about you, have you ever laid in the bed uh, at night and, you know, uh, you don't have, you just decided not to watch Netflix or uh, The Office or whatever you do, you know, as you're going to sleep and, um, and you're just laying there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Anybody ever experienced it? And the Holy Spirit begins to show you things and you're like, oh, that hurts. And I've had these moments to where I'm laying in bed at night and God begins to show me things or I begin to reflect on my day and God will point things out and I'm like, that hurts. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't really want to deal with that. So we all have this pain that we want to push off and we want to reject. And then if we're being honest, it's easier just to hop on Instagram in those moments. Or we can go, Holy Spirit, help me work through this. Holy Spirit, help me to have an honest moment where I can work through all that you want to do in me in this moment. Let's not push off the pain, but let's embrace the pain because what I have found out in life is that the best things come from the hardest things. Come home. The best things in life come from the hardest things. Our friend Chris back here, he just ran a a marathon yesterday. And and today he's like, he's on this high all day long. I just, I love being around him. He's high on this high. He's fired up. He climbed like a 14, 15, 16, I don't know, 100,000 foot mountain last week. And he came back and he was on this high and he was texting me all about it. And I mean, and he's pumped because the best things come from the hardest things. And in life, if we'll embrace the pain every once in a while, we'll be better on the other side of the pain. If we'll just go, you know what, it's not going to feel good. I'm not going to like it, but we'll get through it. It's like that argument in your marriage. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, I don't want to do this, but we just got to work through this. Let's sit down and let's talk through this. And then on the other side of it, you're better. Maybe you learned how to communicate a little better. You learned something about your spouse or husbands. You learned, okay, I don't do this or I do this next time, right? And and all the men said amen. Um, Because they say this. They say this about pain. They say time heals all things. Have you all heard that? It's not a true statement, though. It's not a true statement. This is what I can say. Time can't heal anything you aren't willing to reveal. Because what what will happen is, is if you're, honestly, if you're not willing to deal with it, time can make things worse. Because if you hide it away, what I have found is that secrets fester. And you're expecting, you're like, Well, they said time heals all things. They said time heals all things. Yeah, time heals the things that you're willing to expose and bring out into the open and go, God, I need help with this. God, I'm going to cast this to you. But even with God, we we don't bring these things to God a lot of times because we've got the problems to neglect and we've got this pain to reject. And and then thirdly, we've we've got a pressure to perfect. If you're taking notes, write that down. We We have a pressure to perfect. And, and I think it's such, um, such a thing in our society today to look like we have it all together. Like, like we don't have any problems and we don't have any issues and we live the perfect suburban life and, and nothing is wrong. Look, we all have problems. Let's get real. 
We all have issues. We all have struggles. We all have things that we need to work on. Your pastors are not perfect people. I'm not up here pretending that I'm perfect. I have stuff that I have to work through on a daily and a weekly basis that I have to cast it to God and go, God, if you don't help me with this, I'm not going to get better. But if there's this constant pressure to perfect, then guess what? We're never going to get better. I read this recent study uh, recently that, that said that America is the, the most unhappy that it's ever been. Can, I, mean, I, can't, I can't even fathom why. You, I mean, we've got everything we could ever want literally in our palm. Uh, you've got a question, it can be answered in about 1.5 seconds in Google. And Google lets you know how fast they found the information too. You just type it, oh, I need to know, and you type it in. Uh, I, things are more accessible for us than ever before. We're so far ahead of even where previous generations were, and yet we're the most unhappy that we've ever been. And this is what they tied it back to. They said that used to, in the good old days, in the olden days, you would only compare yourself when you went out in public. So you would drive up at church, and you would see so-and-so with a new car, and you'd be like, so-and-so has a new car. Hmm. Must be doing good at their job. Must be nice, right? You'd walk in, you'd see somebody in their new clothes, you know, at work, and you'd be like, oh, they got a new suit. Huh, must have got a raise at work. Okay, <laughs> I sure could use a raise. And so you would only compare yourself when you're out in public. Now it says that people are constantly comparing themselves. Scrolling all day long, seeing everybody on their vacation, seeing everybody with their new car, seeing everybody live the happy life. And so what we begin to do is we begin to compare everybody. And so all of a sudden there becomes this pressure to try to be perfect. So rather than opening up and being real about our issues, maybe the sins, maybe the past hurts, maybe the holes that life has left, the, the holes that life has just left in our life, what do we do? We just try to push it off. I don't want to deal with the pain. I don't want to deal with the problem. I'm just going to act like I have everything together. I'm going to show up at church. Everything's good. I'm going to put on my smile. I'm going to give you the amen. I'm going to walk out the door and I'm still going to hurt. Can I tell you Restoration Church is not that kind of church? This is the kind of church we are where you can show up and you can be real about everything you're going through. I, I want you to have a safe place where you can be honest and you go, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, in our marriage, we're going through some stuff and you're not going to be judged. I can tell you this, you're not going to be judged. What you are going to be is you're going to be loved and we're going to help you through it. Because how else does restoration happen? Restoration doesn't happen when we go, how dare you? How could you? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you went through that. Hey, we're going to help you get there. We're going to help you overcome because we have pain to reject. We've got problems to neglect, but we've got a, a pressure to perfect. I love this story of, of David and, and David and his men. They've been out at battle and they, they come home from battle and they're fight, they, they were fighting this battle and they come home and they find that their, their wives and all of their children have been carried away into exile and that their city has been destroyed. Now, now, put yourself for just a second in, in, in their shoes. Put yourself in a second for their shoes. They, they come home and everything, their family's gone. Their city, gone. Everything's been decimated. But the Bible says that David does something interesting. 
And you can go back and you can read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30 this week. I would encourage you to go back because something interesting happens here is that the Bible says that what David did, his men even wanted to kill him. His men got together and they contemplated killing David because of, they were like, you know, this is your fault, all of this. And what did David did? The Bible said that David went to the house of the Lord. And then he went to the house of the Lord and he said, God, what do I do? You know what David did? David went to the house of the Lord and he goes, here's all my cares. I don't know what to do. I can't do it, but you have the answers. What do you want me to do? And a lot of times what we'll do is when we have a rough week, we have a tough week. Guess we go, we go, I'm not showing up on Sunday. I'm not going to church on Sunday. I'm not going to that men's small group on Thursday morning. It's been a rough week. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not sharing my problems. I'm not sharing my stuff. And so what we'll do is we'll stay away from the house. David ran to the house of the Lord. He threw his hands up and he said, God, I don't know how to deal with it, but you do. Give me the answers. Yeah. And watch what 1 Samuel 30, 18, it says, so David recovered. Can I just tell somebody that if it'll be our heart and our attitude to continue to run back to the house of God, we will recover. Sunday should be that. Sunday should be a recovery day, right? Sunday is that day that we've been running hard all week. The enemy's been taking shots at us all week. And we walk in on Sunday and we're like, it's recovery day. Man, I'm going to get fed. I'm going to get filled up. I'm going to get a touch of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have somebody at the altar that I can pray with. We're going to pray through. I'm going to leave this place feeling better than I come. So when I hit work on Monday, I'm ready to go. When I wake up, I'm ready to be there for my kids and for, my, for, for our spouses. Come on, we're going to recover, but it has to happen when we run to the house of God. Come on, we got to run to the house of the God. Proverbs chapter 3 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge who? Acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Because I, I believe that God has a, a point A and point B, C. He's got, he's got these places that he wants to take, right? And on the journey, we can get tired. On the journey, we can get weary. And, and I'm, a, I'm a visual person, okay? I'm very visual just in the way that I learned as I read, I see things. And, and this is what I just begin to see. Lean not on your own understanding. So if I have a destination to go, if I were to join Chris on that uh, marathon, he's trying to beg me to do one in December. If I'm, he's going to see me like this a lot right here, okay? <laughs> because I'm going to be tired. But if I have a destination to get to, if I have a finish line to get to, am I going to get there like this right here? No. I, I'm not going to be moving, you know? I mean try to move like this all the way to the, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to make it to the end of the race. Lean not on your own understanding. If I, if I lean on my own understanding, I don't get to where God wants me to go. I don't become who God wants me to be. I don't do the things that God wants me to do. But when I will, when I lean on, Matt, come here. When I lean on God, come up here. Come on, can do a box jump. There you go. That was a pretty good box jump. I don't know. But when I've got somebody to lean on, come on, let's walk. When I've got somebody to lean on, I can get to where I need to go. And when I've got the Holy Spirit to get me where I need to go, it doesn't matter. I can lean on God. I can lean on him. I'm not leaning on my understanding. I'm just going, okay, God, lead me. Take me where you want me to go. Let me be the person that you want me to be. I need God to lean on. I need the Holy Spirit to lean on. I'm not leaning on my own understanding, but I need the Holy Spirit to lean on. 
Come on, I'm not leaning on my own understanding, but I need you. Let me just take the pressure off. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. Nobody in this room is perfect. The pressure to be perfect is off. There was one perfect man that has ever lived, and his name is Jesus. One day, we'll be like him. We'll be glorified one day like him, but that's not now. And until then, he is sanctifying us in a process. We're becoming more like him every day, but it only happens as we, as we cast our cares. Because I feel like in this pressure to perfect, I feel like this is where suicide begins to creep into people. You know, it's just in the last two years, there's been several pastors that hit national news that took their life. And I, I really do believe that it was because there was a pressure for, for them to be perfect. In ministry, a lot of times pastors feel like, I can't have problems, I can't have issues, and if I do, I can't share them. Can I tell you, I've got a board of elders, I've got a board of overseers that are some of my closest friends that know my life inside and out. One of them is my youth pastor, and he's been my pastor since I was literally 15 years old. And he's a person that if I have stuff going on in my life, you know who I'm going to? I'm going to him. If I have stuff that I, I just like, man, I, I need help with this. I got to talk to somebody about this. I got these thoughts going on. I got this, I got this stuff that's happening. Hey, I need you to help me work through this. We've got to have people in our life. But what this pressure to, to be perfect does is, is it'll drive like a, a pastor who thinks they have to have this perfect image to take their life. I think about Kate Spade who took her own life in, in 2018 that from the outside you would go, she has everything. People are carrying bags around that, that have her name on it. She's got money and fame. She has fortune, everything that she could want. But yet there was something, there was some kind of pressure that, that caused her that said, I, I'm going to take my life. Elijah in the Bible. Now watch this, Elijah in the Bible. Right, let's, in fact, let's go to it. I want you to put it on the screen and I want you to see this. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting uh, in verse 3. If you got that, put it up there for me. 1 Kings chapter 19 says this. Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Now watch this. He went on alone. Come on, somebody say alone. alone. Say alone. alone. He went on alone into the wilderness. And, and, and if you've got a paper Bible, you need to underline that, highlight that. Because what happens is we'll go at life alone. We can't do life alone. Listen, that's why we have small groups. That's why we launched two marriage small groups on Friday and Saturday night. You need to get involved in a small group because you don't need to do life alone. As a married couple, you don't need to do life alone. You need people. You need couples around you that can hold you up, that can, that can be there for you when things get tough, that can be there for you when you've got the tough questions in life, when maybe your kids are going crazy and you need somebody that's a little further on down the road who can give you some parenting advice. We cannot do life alone. He was led into a, a wilderness season. He went into it alone. I don't want to go into a wilderness or a preparation season alone. I want people by my side. But watch this. He prayed this, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. If you understand the context in which this passage of scripture happens, he just performed an amazing miracle. He just called fire from heaven and it happened. 
Literally, he's like, okay, hey, God, I need you to send some fire down and consume this wood right here that is drenched, and we're going to defeat these prophets. And it happens. Fire falls from heaven. And then just a few verses later, he's like, I want to I die. I want to take my own life. Then he laid down. Watch this. He laid down, and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up. Come on, somebody say, get up. Get up. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on a hot stone and a jar of water. So he ate it, drank it, and laid down again. Now watch this. Mistake. If God tells you to get up, you get up. You don't get up and then go lay back down in the sorrow and the pity and wallow back around in it. If God told you to get up, you get up. You get up and you walk in the victory that he gave you. You get up and you walked in what he said, just like we talked about. If you didn't hear last week's message, go back and listen to it. You walk in the victory that he's already given you. You get up and you walk in it. But what did Elijah do? He ate, he drank, and then what does it say? He laid back down. And that's the problem is that a lot of us come to church, God touches us, God speaks to us, but then we go back and we just lay back down in the sorrow, lay back down in the pity, lay back down in the hurt. And look, all of it is real, but we're not going to get over it if we continue just to lay in it. And the word of the Lord to Elijah was, get up. I know you're depressed. I know you're in your feelings right now, but get up. And what did he do? He laid back down. Then the angel of the Lord came to him again, and he touched him, and he said, get up. I feel like I need to tell somebody today, it's time to get up. It's time to stop rehearsing the hurt. It's time to stop rehearsing the pain. It's time to stop going back over the same situation. Over, It's over. It's done. Give it to God. Cast it to him. It's not yours anymore. He's going to sustain you. He's going to take care of you. But it only happens if you'll cast it to him. Get up. As I close tonight, I want to close with this. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And maybe you feel like tonight, maybe you've been in church and you've heard that scripture tons of times and you said, well, that's a lie. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time and you said, really, no weapon formed against you will prosper and maybe you're even going through the things in your head and you're like well I remember when this happened and this is what it did to me I remember when this happened and this is what it did to me I remember when this happened and this is what it did to me the Bible says that the enemy's job we talked about it last week comes only to what kill steal and destroy kill steal destroy my question would be are you still here today Because if you're still sitting in these seats today, if you're still here at church today, if you're still even holding on to just a thread of hope, the weapon did not prosper. He comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you're here today, the weapon that he formed against your life did not prosper. And in fact, maybe you're like, hey, this thing is still standing, but I feel more like my life looks like... I feel like my life looks more like this. Maybe some of you, you literally feel like, hey, my life is laying in wreckage. My life is laying in ruin. This is what it feels like. But can I tell you this? That if you're here tonight, that the weapon that the enemy formed against you has not prospered. 
Because we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. And the future that you've imagined for yourself, God goes, I can get you there. I can get you to the dream in the future, but it starts with casting your cares. Let's go. I'm closing. Let's go to Isaiah 61. And Isaiah is writing this to the nation of Israel who is in exile in Babylon. So they're in exile, and he's writing this to them. He is the pastor of of the time, if you will. This is roughly like six, 500 years before Jesus. And the nation of Israel has been carried off into captivity. And, and this is what the prophet Isaiah writes to him. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Now, if you're in captivity, you're kind of like, okay, and he says, I, I want to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And they're probably saying, we're in bondage right now. We've been carried away into captivity, Isaiah. I don't know if you realize this or not. And he goes on to say, and opening the prison doors to those who were bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. And I love this right here. He says, to give them beauty for ashes. Now, I want you to notice, this is impossible. It's impossible to take ashes and really make anything beautiful out of it. I had a friend whose house burned down just a few years ago. And I remember walking the house with him. And it was just ash everywhere, only really brick and just a few things were left standing. And we would go to a room and he would share a memory with me about that room. And we'd go to another room and he would share a memory with me about that room. And more than anything... I wish I could have taken his stuff and his pictures and put them back together and made something beautiful. But you can't. You can't take the ashes of a photograph. You can't take the ashes of a piece of furniture that's been handed down year after year, put it back together and make something beautiful out of it. And so when Isaiah is saying this, he's saying we serve a God that can do the impossible. That if you came in here with ashes you can walk out of here with beauty. That if you've been struggling in depression and anxiety and, and fear and tor torment, I feel like God would say to you tonight, you can leave this place and you can exchange ashes for beauty. But it happens when we cast it on God. Now watch this. Jesus comes out of the desert being tempted. He had 40 days in the desert where he was tempted and he fasted and prayed. And he walks into a temple and he opens up a scroll and he reads this right here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to the brokenhearted. Come on, is there anybody brokenhearted? Because Jesus came for you. And to proclaim the liberty to the captives. Is there anybody bound? Because he came to proclaim liberty to you. 
And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and open up the prison to those who are bound. And he came to give beauty for ashes. And if you came in here with ash in any area of your life, you can walk out of this place with beauty in your life. But it only happens when we cast our cares on the Lord. Not when we push the problem off. Not when we push the pain off. Not when we come in here and try to act all perfect and like we have it all together. But it happens when we'll cast our cares on the Lord. So stand on your feet. I didn't even get to the good stuff. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something online this week because there's three things. There's really three ways to overcome it. And just, it's reveal it, confess it, and release it. You got to reveal it. You got to reveal it. You got to confess it. And you got to release it. I'll do something online later in the week for this because this is the, the key. We dealt with the problem, and I believe but the main problem I want to talk about tonight is just giving it to God. Yeah. Giving it to God. God, I give it to you. Yeah. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wonder, could you do that? Could you just in your own way? I think we all have at least one area, right, that we could just go, God, you know, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's a whole lot of things. But tonight, we just cast it on you. Can you just do that? Maybe with your hands just out before God. God, I cast my cares on you. I cast my cares on you because I know that you care for me. God, I know that you'll sustain me. God, I know that if I do, that you can rebuild me. God, I know that you can make something beautiful out of this ash. That you can take what the enemy has tried to destroy and you can put it back together and it can be a testimony to reach those around me. So God... I cast it on you. I cast it on you. I cast it on you. I cast my cares on you, God. 